Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Is God? We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, I want to invite you to Blended and Blessed and so excited that our church is going to be hosting this event. It will be something that's practical and encouraging. And if you find yourself walking through that, again, I would encourage you to come. You can sign up on your connection card. You can also sign up online. In particular, I want to encourage men who may be in this season to consider coming. Again, you will find at Blended and Blessed practical help and support, and it will be a good thing for you. And I'm thankful we're hosting this. It's going to take place at our Bethel Row campus this coming Saturday. And it would be great for you to be there. You can sign up on your connection card or online. And again, that's coming this Saturday. Before we jump into our content and our new series, I want to give you an update on last weekend. So last Sunday was Easter. It's always a big weekend for us. And want to just share some good news with you. We started our weekend on Good Friday, and that's always a unique and contemplative experience right here in this room. And for those of you who are able to come and participate, again, just kind of a different service for us as we reflect and get quiet and consider all that Jesus has done for us. Our attendance this year at our Good Friday gathering was 21% higher than last year. And so we're very encouraged with that. And I think that night, that evening, just set a great tone for our Easter weekend. And then what we did on Saturday is we had a love day. And I want to thank everybody who came out. There was actually a great number of families with their young kids that were part of this love day. And I want to thank you for coming out early on a Saturday morning and serving and loving on different organizations in our communities and talked to one family afterwards that thanked me so much for providing that platform on Sunday. They have been talking about humility and serving others in Kid Point, and they thought it was just a wonderful way to say, well, here's how we practically live that out and do that. And they were able to accomplish that on Saturday morning. So we had a great time just serving in our communities on Saturday. And then Sunday, here's what happened. We welcomed over 1,000 attenders between our three gatherings. There's actually 1,055 people that came. Yeah, it's great. It is the first time on a Sunday that Valley Point has ever welcomed over 1,000 attenders. So we have had over 1,000 during our Christmas Eve gatherings but that's not normally on a Sunday. So last Sunday was very special, very big day for us as we welcomed all kinds of people. And I see some of you are back today from last week. Welcome, and we hope that you have found a faith home right here at Valley Point. So for everybody who invited and took a risk and asked someone to fill the chair next to you, thank you for doing that. I hope your friends had a good time with you. And again, I'm just grateful for what God is doing here at Valley Point. Now, here's the best news. The numbers are wonderful. Serving our community, that's great. 
But perhaps the best part of what came out of Easter Sunday, besides the fact that we're focusing on Jesus being alive and his resurrection power, that's the best part. But next to that, there were, between kids and adults, right here last Sunday, 16 people who said that they trusted in Jesus alone to save them on Easter. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's the best part of any given Sunday, if someone crosses the line of faith. And we had several adults and kids do that, and we're following up with them and really excited about their new friendship with God. So fantastic weekend. Again, thank you for being a part of that. And for those of you who are away vacationing and you're back now, welcome. We begin a brand new series today, and I'm excited about the next five weeks and where God is going to take us. Before we start the new series, let's just pause and thank God. Can we do that? Father, we are excited about the things that are happening here at Valley Point and just humbled that you're growing us and using us to reach out and to serve others. God, last weekend was so incredible, just welcoming the great number of people between Friday and then serving on Saturday and sending teams out into the communities around us to care for and to love and to repair and to restore. And then to come back on Sunday and to celebrate the fact that Jesus lives and because he lives, because he rose, we can enter into forever friendship with you. And God, on that Sunday, there were several people right here who made that choice. And so we want to pray for those 16 individuals. And God, maybe there were even more who responded to that. Whatever the number is, God, we pray for them and ask that you would make yourself real to them and that they would have a desire to grow this new friendship. God, for all of us, expand our faith and help us to trust in deeper ways And even as we begin this new series, God, may you be honored and may we have a fresh understanding of all that you do for us and who you are. We ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By the way, I forgot to mention 32 more Sundays until we're in our new home, so you keep watching That little mark up there, for those of you in the cheap seats, sorry you can't see that, but 32 is the Sunday, so you keep watching that, and we're going to have fun counting that down, right? Right? We're going to have fun counting that down, absolutely. Okay, new series today, Is God? Question mark. And what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks is putting in a comment there, And then trying to answer that. So is God question mark? I want to do my best over the next five weeks to think about the person and the work and the nature of God. Who is he? And what does he say about himself? And how can we grow in our knowledge of God? So over the next few weeks, we're just going to think about God out loud, so to speak. And here's what I hope to accomplish. Three things. I hope our understanding will be enlarged. And wherever you are today with your knowledge and understanding of God, I hope that that's enlarged. Even if it's just a little bit, I hope it grows. 
And I hope our awe becomes a bit greater. I hope that happens for us as well. And here's what else. I hope that we're overwhelmed with God in a good way. And wouldn't it be great if that happened? If our knowledge of God is expanded, if our awe begins to grow, and if we have this sense of being overwhelmed with the greatness and how big and how mighty God is, I think that would be an amazing thing for all of us. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to think about God. Now, I love what Charles Spurgeon, a preacher and a theologian from the 1800s, has to say about thinking about God. Because maybe that seems like an overwhelming thing or something that's not that interesting or not that important. But here's what Spurgeon had to say. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God. And so Spurgeon thought, this is a great thing to consider. It is lofty to think about God and his person and his work and his nature. And so this is what we're going to be doing for the next five weeks. And while we can't know everything about God, that's true. We can't know everything about God because we're human and he's divine. So we can't know everything about God, but there are a few things that we can know. So we're going to chase that together. Let me ask you this. As we begin this series, what is your view of God? What is your view of God? As you sit here in this room on this day, what would you say is your view of God? Maybe you would say, you know, God is good. Maybe you'd say that. Or perhaps you'd say, oh, God's kind of mean. And that's my experience. And there are some things that have happened in my life that have led me to that conclusion. God is not good. God is mean. Maybe as you think about that question in your view of God, you would say, you know, God is close. Or maybe you would say, yeah, I think God is kind of far. Maybe you would say God is active and engaged in my life and I feel that and I sense that. Or perhaps you would say God is not active and engaged in my life. What is your view of God? How you answer that is very important, your view of God. You know, as I talk to different people, those who are believers and would say, I love God and I have a deep relationship with him, as well as those individuals who perhaps would say, I don't believe in God, I'm just not there yet. Often what I discover people saying when they talk about their view of God is that God is a bit angry. He's a bit mean. I actually found a cartoon that I want to share with you. Here's God at his computer. And I don't know if you can make all of that out, but he is about to hit the smite button. All right, that's kind of funny, okay? You can laugh at that. Here's God at his computer, and often people view God as he's sitting there, and there are regular good people, and God is just sending smite their way. 
Perhaps that's your view of God, that he's, he's sitting there and he, he's about to hit that particular button. Or maybe your view of God is this. He's just kind of angry and red-faced and he's pointing and he's sending out gloom and doom. And he's just this angry deity. What is your view of God? I think often people sense God is upset and he's angry and he is not good. He's not good. He's not a good God. Richard Dawkins, an avowed atheist, published a book called The God Delusion in 2006. It was a New York Times bestseller. Here's what he states about God. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. And then he goes on in his book to say some really mean things about God. That's Richard Dawkins' view of God. Is that God? And what if he's right? Again, what I hope to do over the next several weeks is just bring clarity to all of this. Otherwise, we come across statements like that, which I believe are reckless, and we get very discouraged. So here we are together. Let's dive in and discover. All right, today we're thinking about, is God good? Is he? Is God good? Now, just so you have a sense of where we're going today, here's our walking path. I want to share a big idea with you. And then we're going to dive into Psalm 73. This is a very unique paragraph in Scripture where we have someone who actually struggled with that very question, is God good? And his experience led him to conclude, I'm not so sure. And so we're going to walk through a real person struggling and we're going to be able to look at their thoughts and their conclusions as well. What we find coming out of Psalm 73 are some thinking points. The writer there actually gives us a, if God is good, if he is, and again, maybe he's not, maybe he is, but if God is good, he would give us a few things. And so that will be our thinking points that we'll share based on what we find in Psalm 73. And then I have some takeaways for you. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? We've got a big idea. Psalm 73, thinking points and some takeaways. All right, here's our big idea for today. I would encourage you to write this down. God is good because he offers good things. And we'll take the rest of our morning to unpack that and describe that. Because that's kind of a general statement. What does that actually mean? God is good. I believe this because he extends to all of us. He extends to you and he offers to me some really good things. Now stick with me for a few moments because I think it's fair to say that many people who would say that they believe in God and they have trusted in his work, and would say that they love God, have at some point in that journey 
of loving God and knowing him and discovering him and expanding their knowledge like what we're trying to do today, at some point in that journey have questioned the goodness of God. That's probably fair for almost every person in this room, including myself. Maybe we do love God and we're chasing him, but there are some things that perhaps have happened in life, some things we have experienced that cause us to question, you know, I'm not so sure. And I have some doubts about the goodness of God. Sometimes it's a serious illness that invades or a death of someone close to us. And we wonder... This has happened to me. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And maybe because this has happened to me, God isn't so good himself. Or perhaps there's been a downturn in life of some kind. Loss of a job or a reduction in income. And perhaps you look out and you're struggling with all of these things and you sense that everybody else is just fine but me. And so we question, what is God doing? And we don't question necessarily, what is God doing out there? That's kind of a larger question. Like, why didn't God stop that thing way over there? That's terrible. It actually becomes very personal. What is God doing to me? Because of some loss or some heartache and it doesn't feel good. And so we question the goodness of God. Again, I think many God followers walk through this time frame. Sometimes we say, why did God allow? You just fill in the blank for whatever it is that's on your mind and on your heart right now that maybe is causing you to question the goodness of God. I thought the best thing we could do with all of this is to look to scripture and to find somebody who asked these same questions. And by the way, this is what I love about the Bible, is it includes real people and their real struggles. It does not hide that from us. And so what we have today is a real-life example from someone who was okay with God, but yet they were really beginning to question his goodness. We find his story and his words in Psalm 73. So if you have a Bible or a device, I would ask that you find this chapter We're going to begin reading with verse 1 in just a moment. These words will also appear on the screen. So while you're finding Psalm 73, let me give you a bit of a backdrop on this chapter. It's written by a guy named Asaph. Not one of the more popular writers in Scripture. But yet there are several different chapters attributed to him. Here's what we know about Asaph. He's a musician. He's an artistic type of individual. He was actually the leader over King David's musicians. That was his job. That's what he did. And so he had a very important job. He needed to honor the king and to please the king and help the king and those that were around him respond to the greatness of God. He had a very important job. And here's what we find in Psalm chapter 73, verse 1. He starts out by acknowledging this. Truly, God is good. Truly, God is good. So this is where Asaph starts. The Hebrew word for good there means pleasant or agreeable or beautiful. And so this is what Asaph starts out saying. I understand, I get that God is pleasant 
And he is agreeable. And he is beautiful. I understand that. Truly God is good to Israel. To those whose hearts are pure. But as for me. And now here's where it gets very interesting. Asaph says, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. This is a term here that is expressing disaster. The construction of the sentence here indicates that this is metaphorical language. And what Asaph is communicating here is that his feet physically aren't slipping, but that he is about to abandon his faith. He's about to jump off the ship. I get God is good. He's pleasant and agreeable and beautiful. I understand that. But that's not what I'm sensing right now. And I'm really struggling here. And I'm just about to bail on all of this. Now, why would Asaph say that? Well, that takes us to verse 3. Here's his experience now. And see if you identify with some of this. For I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. That's a great sentence, isn't it? These individuals, they've got it all. Verse 8, they scoff, speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. Here's what else they do. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then Asaph takes it a step further and he gets a little more vulnerable because he says here in verse 13, he asks the question, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long every morning brings me pain. And I look out and I see evil people prospering and they hate God, but yet things for them multiply. And here I love God and I've tried to remain pure. And my experience is that every morning brings me pain. And maybe you're here today and this is exactly how you feel. And you're asking these questions. Yeah, I I, I tried to love God. You know, I gave it a shot. I've tried to live for him. And have I done this for nothing? Because every morning just kind of brings me pain. Asaph is having more than just a bad day here. All right. He is having a dark night of the soul. Like his feet are slipping. He's about to throw it all away because he cannot see that God is good. And then he goes on to say this, and this is where there is a turn in the story. Verse 21 says, Then I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up on the inside. All right, I'm struggling. I'm about to throw it all away and I understand that I am 
torn up on the inside and it just doesn't feel right. And what Asaph does next, I believe, is extraordinary. In the midst of this dark night of the soul, this crisis of faith, where he is ready to throw everything away, he begins to review a little bit of what God has given to him. And so I want to share these thinking points with you. It's unique because I believe what Asaph does here is he creates a good God list. He kind of says, if God is good, if he's good, if he's good, then there's some things that he should provide. And so I'm going to begin reviewing this in my mind. So please take out your talk notes. I would encourage you to write this down. I'm going to share seven different things with you where Asaph says, you know what? I'm not feeling this right now, but I'm going to keep pointing back to this. God is good because he provides some good things. Here's the list. Here's what he provides. Here's our thinking points. Number one, a good God provides belonging. Asaph says this in verse 23, yet I still belong to you. And he bases that belonging on God holding his right hand. And what Asaph is portraying there is God is close enough to me. He is close enough to me in my trouble in my crisis here. He is close enough to me that he can actually grab my hand and I can grab his. And so because of that, he's offering belonging and a good God gives that to us. What else? Well, number two, a good God provides guidance. Verse 24 says, you guide me. There's the word. You guide me with your counsel. That word guide there. In the Hebrew means you lead. And so Asaph is saying again in his trouble, God, you're guiding me, you're you're leading me. Number three, a good God offers deliverance. He goes on in verse 24 to say, you lead me or you are leading me to a glorious destiny. And I love this concept. He is referring here to a resolution to the conflict. That's the destiny. So it's not like Asaph is saying, you know what, God, you removed me from location A and you put me in location B. It's not that at all. Asaph is saying, you are providing a resolution to my trouble. Well, what's Asaph's trouble? What's his conflict? His conflict is he's questioning the goodness of God. And so Asaph is basically saying here, in the middle of wrestling with all of this and in the middle of trying to figure out if God is good, he is actually giving me a resolution to the conflict, but that only happens when I understand belonging and guidance. All of a sudden, deliverance comes along and this is what a good God offers. What else? What else? Number four, a good God offers fulfillment. Verse 25 says, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. You bring fulfillment. You know, I don't think that was easy for him to say based on everything else that we discover in Psalm 73. I don't think it was easy for him to say, you know, God, I desire you more than anything on earth. I think what he probably desired more than anything is that those who were prospering and didn't deserve it, that that wouldn't happen to them anymore. But yet we find him communicating here, here's what I, 
here's what I desire. And I know I got to chase this in a deeper way, but I want you, God, more than anything on earth. And maybe in our trouble, maybe in our crisis of faith, when we're ready just to throw some things away, maybe the greatest thing we can do, even if it doesn't feel right, and even if it doesn't sound right coming off of our tongue, is that we just say over and over again, God, I'm desiring you more than anything on earth. I need fulfillment. And I think we can wrestle with that, and we can say that again and again and again, because a good God offers this. What else? Number five, he offers strength. Verse 26 says, My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak. But here's the deal. God remains the strength of my heart. Do you see that word strength there in verse 26? The 74 times that that word is used in the Old Testament, it refers to a rock or to a stone. So in essence, the psalmist is saying here, my health may fail, that may slip away from me, and my spirit may grow weak, and that's happened. But God remains the rock of my heart. And he's hanging in there. He is my strength. I can run to him. Number six, a good God offers forever. Verse 26 goes on to say, he is mine forever. Meaning God's not going to lose me. He's not going to forget about me even in the conflict, even in the doubt, even when I question. He is mine forever. That's great news for all of us because when we doubt, we know that God's hanging on forever. He offers that. Here's what else he offers. It's the final thing on our list that Asaph delivers for us. Number seven, a good God offers shelter. Verse 28, he concludes this by saying, as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. This is what a good God offers. All right, so let's just review for a moment. If God is good, if he's good, then that means he should offer some good things. Well, what does God offer? He offers belonging and guidance and deliverance and fulfillment and strength. He offers forever. He offers shelter this is some great stuff. So yes, God is good. God is good. God is good. Now, maybe you still doubt. Maybe you still have some questions in light of what you're walking through right now. This is where I think our takeaways are going to help. So let me give you four takeaways. And I would encourage you to really think through these, depending on what's happening in your life right now. God is good. Because he gives good things, okay? Takeaway number one. If you are currently questioning the goodness of God, let your crisis of faith drive you back into belonging. All right? If you are currently questioning the goodness of God, let your crisis of faith drive you back into belonging. Often we allow and we give permission for the opposite to happen. 
I'm questioning God. I'm frustrated. I don't like how I feel. And so I walk away from him and I make the problem worse. What we discover from Asaph is that he says, my feet were slipping. And again, the language there indicates I'm about to throw everything away. I understand intellectually that God is good, but it's not my experience based on what I see and what I observe. I'm going to throw all of this away. But then he communicates, I know that I still belong to God. And so I think what we discover from Asaph is that he allowed that dark night of the soul to bring him back into belonging. And here's the good news for all of us. God is patient. (laughs) All right? God is so patient with me and with you. He allows us to doubt and to question. He actually invites us to bring all of that to him. And I think in doing that, instead of walking away, instead of throwing faith to the curb, bringing these questions and doubts and frustrations to God, I think it helps us to get back to belonging. And so the encouragement with this takeaway is reach for that belonging. Reach for that if you're in a dark night of the soul because a good God offers that to you. Chase belonging. Takeaway number two. I think it's important for us to know, and this really isn't just for today, it's throughout our series as we think about God. You can't really make God what you want him to be. God is who he says he is. All right, you can't make God what you want him to be. God is who he claims to be. I think the greatest offense to God is when we bring him down to our level. Again, we're human, he is divine. But often we try to do that. We bring God down to our level and I think that is a tremendously offensive thing to God because when we judge God as this or that, we are filling a role that we are not qualified to fill. Ultimately, we are incapable of measuring and evaluating his character. We're just incapable of doing that. What that means is that at some point, there is a deep level of trust here in God. And we have to give ourselves freedom and permission to go there and to enjoy that without having to have the answers to absolutely everything that happens in life. Again, at some point, we've got to give ourselves permission to kind of get into that lane of deeply trusting this good God and not having all of the answers. Yes, innocent people suffer. It happens. Good things happen to people who don't seem to deserve it. And bad things, really bad things, happen to good people. But my experiences, however, don't change the character of God. He defines himself. And so we've got to keep that in mind as we think about this lofty science, this lofty speculation of the person and the nature and the work of God. He is who he claims to be. Thirdly, I would encourage you to do something very practical like this. Start a good God journal, right? And maybe this is the greatest thing that you can do walking away from today. Start a good God journal. And here's why I would encourage all of us to do that. Even when we're walking through very troubling times, when maybe we're questioning everything and we're ready to throw our faith away for good, God often gives us some good things 
that may appear to be very small and insignificant to us because the crisis is so big and so overwhelming. But yet there's these small little things that happen to us along the way that are so good that we often completely forget about because we're consumed with the bigness of our issue. Things like compassionate people, loving people who get next to us and cry with us and laugh with us and feed us and hold our hands through some really troubling days. So that's a provision of a good God. And often we kind of forget about all that when we're under the pressure. God also communicates to us. He sends the sunshine and the rain. They seem like small things. When we're in a crisis of faith, yeah, those are small things. But yet in a good God journal, we can write that stuff down. God tells us he sends the sunshine and the rain to both the righteous and the unrighteous. We all get to benefit from that. And so I would encourage you, begin a good God journal. And in the moments of pain and doubt, kind of keep going back to that and remind yourself, you know what? Here's a few things. I'm not sensing God is good right now. I don't want to go there. But yet, here's what my journal is telling me. And here is something else that I have experienced that's from the good hand of God. All right, final takeaway. Remember, God is so good. God is so good that he gave us a demonstration. And I want to read this to you. This is from 1 John chapter 4. And so maybe nothing else makes sense and we just can't go there. And so we're really stressed and we question the goodness of God. I think we have to remember he gave us a demonstration. He displayed it for us. Here's 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. God showed. So here's the demonstration. He showed, he demonstrated how much he loved us. And if you got to put your name in there, feel free to do that. God demonstrated, he showed how much he loved me by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins in our crisis, in that moment, in that dark night of the soul. Keep looking to the cross. It's the cross. The cross. The greatest demonstration of the goodness of God available to all. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Actually, that's beyond good because it's God doing something for us that we never could have accomplished on our own. So is God good? God is good. God is good. And if your experience right now tells you the opposite, like you're just really under a lot of pressure and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and you're hearing this and it's just not sinking in for you. If your experience tells you the opposite, I would encourage you to keep reviewing our big idea. God is good because he extends some good things. Will you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for Asaph and his struggle. It's from his struggle that we get this amazing good God list, these thinking points. And if you are good, certainly you would provide some things for us, some really good things.
And so, God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to continually review the good God list based on a person who was really questioning and ready to throw everything away. But yet he kept coming back to this belonging and shelter and God being my rock and God being forever. And he just walked through that. And I believe Asaph had a return to his understanding and his appreciation. He was overwhelmed with the goodness of God And God, I would ask that all of us would experience that as well. God, help us not to forget. Help us not to forget the ultimate display of your goodness. It's the cross. You doing something for us that we never could have done on our own. And if that's the only good thing we have to hang on to during a dark night, God, help us to go there. Help us to pull out 1 John chapter 4 and read through that and let it just fall into our hearts so that we're filling our minds and our grief with you and your goodness. So God, I pray that our understanding of you is expanded a little bit more today and that our awe will grow And that we'll be overwhelmed with how good you actually are. Encourage us now as we respond to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.